Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The very first command that Jesus gave to His disciples, gave to anyone, was to be a finder of missing persons. Jesus put it like this. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now again, the common term for that is evangelism. The truth is, for the vast majority, I think the vast majority of us who claim to be followers of Christ, evangelism or finding missing persons or fishing for men, that's a difficult part of the Christian life. Would you agree? Say amen. That's a difficult part. I mean, we know that we need to. We know that we ought to. We know that others need us to. But the truth is, many followers of Christ, they never do that. They never fish. They never evangelize. And those that do do it, they feel inadequate when they do it. And then they get stressed out and they quit doing it. And then they feel guilty because they're not doing it. Furthermore, let me say this. It's not only one of the most difficult things that many of us will do, but for those of us who do evangelize, sometimes we find it to be one of the most frustrating things that we'll ever do. Can you agree with that? Frustrating. I mean, maybe you've experienced of trying, the, of trying to evangelize somebody, trying to lead somebody to Jesus Christ, and it didn't work, and you walked away feeling like a failure. You ever had that experience? I mean, it can be frustrating, folks. I can't even begin to tell you how frustrating it is to share the gospel with somebody and to tell somebody how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And all along that conversation, they're agreeing with you. They're shaking their head. They're saying, oh yeah, preacher, that's right. That's right. And you think all along, I'm going to reel this one in for Jesus. And the conversation goes something like this. <clears throat> you say, now you realize God's Word... In need of a Savior. You're a sinner who needs to be saved. You understand that? Oh yeah, preacher. Absolutely, I understand that. And you understand that Jesus is the one and only Savior. That Jesus came to the on the cross, took your place, died on the cross for your sins to reconcile you to a right. They say, oh yeah, preacher. I understand. I got that. You say, and you understand that Jesus wants to save you. He wants to forgive you your sins. And give you eternal life. Yes, preacher. Yes. I understand that. And you understand that Jesus, He died on the cross for your sins, but three days later, He rose again. And He is alive forevermore. He's a living and a reigning Lord. Yes, preacher. I understand it. And then you start getting excited at this point. You say, okay, you understand. He wants to save you and give you eternal life. And He wants to give your life purpose and meaning and make your life worthwhile. Do you understand that? Yes, preacher. I absolutely understand that. And do you understand and realize that all this is a free gift? It costs you nothing. It's available to you by God's grace and God's love. And they say, yes, preacher, I understand that. And I say then, because you understand the gospel and everything that I have shared with you, and you grasp that, won't you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? And they say, no. You ever experienced that? i got to be honest with you, it's frustrating. There's times over the years I've almost come to the point of committing a felony, I think. If Jeff was here, he could vouch for that. I think it's called uh, assault and battery with intent to do bodily harm. It can be frustrating. Now, folks, if you have been in this series of messages, you've heard me preaching about evangelism and about casting the hook, being a fisher of men. 
being a finder of missing persons. And all it's done is cause you to feel guilty because either, number one, you're not looking for missing persons or you don't have any hooks in the water or you're not trying to fish for people or you feel like you really want to do what you know God wants you to do, but you feel so inadequate about it. And maybe you felt like it'd be better not to do it at all than to try and to fail. Then I want you to know something, friend. I'm glad you're here this morning. The message today is for you. What I want to do is tell you and share with you a story that Jesus told his disciples. And what it does, it puts this whole matter of evangelism, this whole matter of finding missing persons and what your role is and what the missing person's role is and what God's role is. It puts all that into perspective. So take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13. This is a familiar passage, I'm sure, for many of you. It's a story you've heard probably many, many times. Matthew 13. We'll start in verse 1 in just a few moments. Everybody have it? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word, the power of your word. Thank you that it makes things so simple if we will just take your word as it is. Father, we're the ones that make things hard. So today, I pray it will be simplified so each and every one of us can understand. And Father, we'll come to the conclusion that we need to be sowing. We need to be scattering the seed, but Father, it's all dependent upon you. In Christ's name, amen. Now, what we're going to do is look today at a parable. And for those of you maybe here that, that uh, don't know a whole lot about Jesus' teaching, one of his favorite ways to teach was to use a parable, was to tell a story. And that's what a parable is. It's just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, there are several reasons why I personally believe that this parable we're looking at today is the most important of all the parables. Jesus told about 40 parables. Actually, 39 is, is what I come up with. 39 parables. And of all those parables he told, this parable that we're looking at today, it's one of two that has a title. This parable is one of three that Jesus himself gives interpretation of. And this parable is one of three that appear in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in all three of those books, it's the first of all the parables. So it's not only, folks, the first parable, but again, in my opinion, it's a foundational parable. You remember Jesus, his very first sermon was about the kingdom of God. And Jesus made it plain that the kingdom is a kingdom of God's word. And this parable that we're looking at today is a parable about receiving that word, receiving the word of God. Now the story's simple, and, and I'm sure many of you know this. It's about a farmer. He goes out in the field, he sows some seed. The seed falls on different types of soil. The quality of the soil, and this is what I want you to get, the quality of the soil determines whether or not the planting of that seed is successful and produces a harvest, produces fruit. Now if you listen to what I just said carefully, then you understand, folks, you recognize there are three major components in this parable. There is the sower, there's the seed, and then and there's the soil. Now, before we read the parable, let me tell you what each of these components mean. Because Jesus tells us what they mean himself. Number one, the sower, that's the disciple, the follower of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, that's you, that's me. And number two, you have the seed, that's the word of God. That's the message of the kingdom and salvation. Number three, you have the soil. The soil is the heart of the missing person who is far from God that we're trying to reach. Now, I want you to keep all three of those things in mind as we read over this parable today. Matthew 13, let's start reading verse 1. This morning, I'm using the ESV translation. 
It says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, folks, it's pretty obvious where the focus of this parable is. The focus of this parable is not on the sower, because the sower is not even identified. The focus of this parable is not on the seed, because the seed is simply scattered. The focus of this parable is, is on the soils. Now, think about this. The soils are the only variable in the story. The sower doesn't change. The seed, it doesn't change. So the only variable determining failure or success is the soil in which the seed falls. In other words, let me put it to you like this. The one thing that determines success in evangelism is not the sower. It's not you and I. It's not the seed because the seed is the only seed there is and it never changes. So the one thing that determines, folks, success or failure is the receptivity of the missing person's heart. That determines whether or not our evangelistic efforts are successful. Now, I want you to stay with me on this. You're going to notice there's nothing wrong with the sower or with his method, how he sows the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Like I told you, it's the greatest seed there is. It's the only seed that will bring eternal life. There's nothing wrong with the composition of the soil when you read this. The problem is the condition of the soil. And what we find right here, folks, and here's the point I want to get out of your head and into your heart. I want you to take it home with you. Now, this is for Christians this morning. This is for believers, specifically for believers who are members of Southside Baptist Church. I want you to listen to your pastor. Here's what I want you to get in your heart. Our part, and we're going to see this, our part in this story is to sow. God's part is to bring the harvest. Our part is to sow. God's is to grow. Let me put it another way. We can do our part, but only God can reach the heart. Now, let me, let me tell you this. God's not going to do our part. Our part is to sow. And we cannot do God's part. We cannot bring the increase. So we learn from the interpretation that Jesus gives that we're going to look at here in just a minute of this parable. There are always three players in evangelism. Anytime you evangelize, there's three players. There's you, there's the person you're evangelizing, and then there is God. And each of us have a part to play in this. So let's look at these three parts from this story this morning. Number one. Our part is sowing the seed. I want you to look at verse 18, first part of verse 19. I want you to look at it so there's no misunderstanding of what Jesus meant by this story. He tells it in his own words. He said, hear then the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. Now, let's stop right there for a minute. Matthew calls the seed the word of the kingdom. If you go over and look in Luke's version of it, Luke says the seed is the word of God. That's both the same thing, folks. Now, it's easy to understand why Jesus, why he would compare God's word, the message of kingdom and salvation, to seed. Because seed is productive. Because the very purpose of a seed is to do what? It's to produce fruit, right? Well, let me ask you this. How then, tell me, how do you know, how do you get a, a believer out of a non-believer? How does somebody move from being a non-believer to a believer? The seed. The Bible makes that real clear by having the seed of God's word planted deep in their heart. 
Peter says, 1 Peter 1, verse 23, For you have not been born again of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the living and the enduring or the abiding, the abiding Word of God. Now, I know you know this, but this is important for you to grasp and get a hold of. Don't miss the importance of the fact that the sower went out to sow the seed, and the seed was the Word of God. I know you've heard that a hundred times. If you've been in a Baptist church for any amount of time at all, you've heard that time and time and time again. We're to be sowing the seed of the Word of God. Listen to me. A seed cannot plant itself. A seed needs a sower. All the seed in the world is not going to do a bit of good if a sower doesn't go out and sow that seed if they leave it in the warehouse. Friend, listen to me. A farmer cannot do his job sitting in the house. He's got to get out in the field. And a fisherman can't do his job up on the bank. He's got to get out into the water. Listen to me. Missing persons can't be found if nobody's looking for them. Now, if a farmer has... He's got to go with what he's got. So a farmer's going to go with seed. A fisherman, he's got to go with the hook. That's why preaching and teaching the Word of God must always be central in everything we do. That must be first. Don't miss this. What mattered was not how the sower scattered the seed, but the fact that the seed was scattered. Are you catching me here? The success or failure of the seed does not depend on the sower's technique at all. Matter of fact, folks, uh, sowing seed back in Jesus' day, that was a very low-tech operation. You know how they done it? They would take a fold in their outer garment, pour the seed in there, up and down that field, scattering, casting that seed out. I'm not a farmer. I'm not even a gardener. But I think I could do that. I'm smart enough to do that. I can do it. Anybody can. Here's what I want you to grasp. Listen to me now. They would throw that seed out. And sometimes that seed would hit on hard ground. Sometimes on rocky ground. Sometimes on thorny ground. And then sometimes it would hit on good ground. Now it doesn't take skill, training, or education to scatter seed. As a matter of fact, folks, it's not how it's scattered, but the fact that it was scattered. That's important. You say, why? Because it's not the expertise of the sower, but it's the quality of the soil that determines the harvest. Our part is to simply go and sow. Our part is to sow the seed. It's not up to us to bring the increase. Now let's move on with it. Look at the second part. The person who is missing. The person who's far from God. What's their part in this evangelism equation? Their part's to receive the seed. Remember the focus of the parable is not on the sower. I told you that. It's not on the seed. It's on the soil. Let me explain. Even the best sower with the best seed will not have a harvest if it's bad soil. So what Jesus does, he identifies the soil as the heart of the missing person that we're trying to reach. Look at verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Do you know, folks, do you know what makes the word of God different than any other book or every other book or message that you'll ever hear or encounter? See, with your eyes, you see the word of God. With your ears, you hear the word of God. But with your heart, you receive the word of God. 
Jesus describes four different kinds of hearts in this parable. And I'm going to be very honest with you as a preacher of the gospel for quite a few years now. I'm sure that all four types of these hearts Jesus described are in this auditorium this morning. So I want you to listen to me. Number one. The first heart Jesus talks about is described in verse 19 as the path. The King James Version says, by the wayside. I think the uh, NASB says, by the roadside. Well, let me explain what it's talking about. All those are the same thing when you go to the original language. Back in Jesus' day, they really didn't have a whole lot of roads everywhere. And most people weren't rich enough to have donkeys or carts, so they walked everywhere they went. And they walked through the fields. And many times people would take the same path going through those fields. So eventually, all the grass would be trampled down and the ground would become hard as a rock. And that's what Jesus is talking about by the path or by the wayside or by the roadside. This was a type of soil where the seed simply could not get in. It could get scattered on the ground, but it could not get into the ground. Now, we all know some people like this. We know people whose hearts are literally as hard as steel and as cold as ice. You know what I'm talking about? And I mean, you can share the gospel with them. You could preach a sermon to them. You could give them a, cra- a tract, gospel tract. You could share a testimony with them. And it's not going to matter because it hits them and it's like water running off a duck's back. Or it's like a rubber ball bouncing off concrete. These people, they're, with the heart like this, they're the kind of people whose attitude towards God's Word and the things of God, it ranges from complete disinterest to outright hostility. Hard heart. Now look at the second heart. Look at verse 20. 20 and 21. It's described as rocky ground. It says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Verse 21. Yet he has not root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now those of you that has been over into Israel, you know there's one thing that Israel has an abundance of, and that's rocks. There's rocks everywhere. Now, they'll have a thin layer of dirt or soil over those rocks, but most everywhere you go, it's bedrock, you know, it's limestone. And there's nothing but just a thin layer of dirt. So, let me say this, where the first soil was soil where the seed could not get in, this heart, this soil, is soil where the seed cannot get down. It cannot take root in it. These are people who receive the message of Christ with joy. And the appearance is they're ready to follow Jesus, but really they're not. I mean, they, they come, they're, they're the type of people that come to a pastor or preacher after a message and say, hey, preacher, what a great message. But their attitude is this. What they're really thinking is, that's a great message, but it's not going to change me. It's not going to affect me. Uh, I'm not going to do anything about it. These are people that come to Jesus for the wrong reasons. They come for wealth. Uh, and health, or they come for success and satisfaction, but the first time trouble hits, they disappear. See, these people that Jesus is talking about here, they're the ones that they come and they say, I'm going to join Christ's army. But their idea is, I'm going to be a four-star general in the army, I'm going to sit behind the desk, and I'm going to call out orders. And the first time a bullet whizzes by their head, or the first time a bomb explodes, then they desert the first time they realize that to really, truly follow Jesus Christ, it's going to take commitment, surrender, and obedience. They're gone. They hit the road. We have people, we've seen this many times. They'll come down front, make a decision for Christ. They'll check or say they make a decision for Christ. They'll check the box, their contact information. They leave the service. And we try to contact them. We call them. We send emails. 
We text, even go by the house, try to make contact with them, and they're gone. You never hear from them again. Or, these people, when you do hear from them, and you talk to them about discipleship and about being baptized, all of a sudden, they have a death allergy to water, and they can't be baptized. I want you to look at verse 22. Here's the third heart. Jesus said, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So let's recap a minute. The first soil was where the seed couldn't get in. The second soil was where the seed couldn't get down and root. But this soil is where the seed can't get out. He's saying the Word of God is choked out by financial prosperity and worldly possessions. I can give you an illustration of this. It's in God's Word. It's the rich young ruler. You can look and read it for yourself. Luke 18, Matthew 19, and Mark chapter 10 tells the story of the rich young ruler. That's the heart that Jesus is speaking of here. Now, there are people who hear the Word of God and they say they want to follow the Son of God. And they say they want to make a commitment, surrender their life to Him. But here's the problem. The golf course, the lake house, the extra money, the bigger paycheck, or climbing the corporate ladder gets in the way of them following Christ. Or there are people who make this kind of commitment and these things get in the way because they do not have them and they want them. And their desire for these things of the world far outweigh their desire to follow Jesus Christ. Now, in case at this point of the message, you're utterly discouraged and you wonder, preacher, why, why so seated all then? Look at verse 23 and 24. Listen to the last part. It says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. That's verses 23 and 24. Now listen to me. The heart that Jesus is talking about here, that's a heart that's receptive to the Word of God. It hears it. It's responsive to the Word of God because it understands it. It's reproductive of the Word of God because it bears fruit. Now here's the point I want you to get, Christian. This kind of heart, it's what keeps bringing the farmer back to the field. It what, it's what keeps the fishermen going out on the water. You following me? You lead one person to Christ, it'll keep you going, I promise you. Damon and I was talking the other day about a young man that Damon has dealt with quite a bit the past few years and how excited this young man was to share the gospel and to lead somebody to Christ. You know what? It lit a fire in him. He's on fire about it. And let me just say this to you, Christian. Let me make this point emphatic. Leading people to Christ has nothing to do with how well you share the gospel. You're to present it. God's the one that causes it to penetrate the heart. And all of us can present it. Hey, all of us can throw that seed. Don't you think? We're all able to do that. That's what keeps you coming back, friend. It keeps you going that extra mile. That heart that is fertile. And I'm going to tell you, there are missing persons all over the world, all around us. And they want to be found. Not everybody who hears the truth and hears the message will refuse and reject it. There are people who will say yes, and they'll mean it. And they'll become fruitful for God's kingdom. And let me remind you something, Christian. Listen to me. When that happens, I want you to remember, it's not because of you. It's all because of God. Remember, our part is to sow the seed. The missing person, the lost person's part is to receive the seed. 
God's part is to produce the harvest. Think about it. All a farmer can do, folks, is sow the seed. Once he's done that, it's out of his hand. All a fisherman can do is get that bait, get that hook out in the water, and then it's up to God whether or not he catches the fish. Our job, Christian, is to sow. God's job is to grow. The key to reaching missing people, I'm going to say it again, is not in the presentation of the message. It's in the penetration of the person's heart. The presentation, that's our part. The penetration, that's God's part. Let me give you an equation. Write this down. Faithful sharers plus fertile soil equals fruitful success. Faithful sharers plus fertile soil equals fruitful success. Christian, listen to me. If you're sharing what you know and you're living what you share, that's what God expects you to do. That's all that God asks of you. Now, the fact is, and let's be honest about it, the fact is you can sow and have no harvest. That's proven by the parable that we just read. But there's one thing even more certain than that. It's a guarantee. If you don't sow, there will be no harvest. So here's what I want you to do, Christian. I'm going to challenge you to do something. I want you to pray and ask God to lay three people on your heart. Three people that you can plant into their life. Three people that you can sow the seed of God's Word into their life and trust that God will bring the harvest. Can you do that? Just three people. And then there's one last thing that I want you to remember. You and I, we cannot move people from one soil to the next. We cannot change somebody's heart, but God can and the point I want to make is we have to take people where they are. We have to take them just where they are. And the truth of the matter is, you and I don't know the soil of somebody's heart. I mean, we may think that, that somebody, the soil of their heart is hard as a rock. But in reality, it's fertile ground. It's just waiting for the seed of the Word to be planted. Folks, God did not call us to be soil inspectors. He called us to sow the seed. Amen. I want to close by sharing a true story with you this morning. The story of a guy by the name of Pacey Cohen. Now, many of you, maybe, maybe all of you, don't have any idea who that is. Well, it's a pretty good story. I want you to listen. Uh, years ago, some of y'all remember, some of y'all, and I've said this before, you're a year or two older than me, so you probably remember when it was popular for churches to rent out football stadiums and have crusades, like on a Friday or a Saturday night. Y'all remember that? And the way they would do it, they would invite somebody who was famous or somebody who was a, some type of celebrity that was a Christian to come in and speak and share their testimony. And then the pastor would get up, he'd share the gospel. And that way people would be drawn by the, the, the celebrity or the famous person. And then the preacher could preach the gospel to him. Well, one evening, Pacey Cohen was driving home. And he had one thought on his mind. When he got home, he was going to kill himself. He was bound to determine, life's not worth living, I'm done. When he got home, he was going to commit suicide. Well, as he was driving home, he, he took a different route for some reason. And he passed by that football stadium. Cars everywhere, crowd. He thought, I wonder what's going on. And he saw on the marquee, it said, come here, Terry. And many of you know who that Terry Bradshaw is. At that time, he was a quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Come here, Terry Bradshaw, quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, it just so happened that his sports hero and he thought, well, what a thrill. I'll pull in and check this out. I'll go hear my hero talk. Then I'll go home and kill myself. So he went in and he, he got a high stadium. There's 3,500 people in the little football stadium. He got 
bleachers. Terry Bradshaw. And then Terry Bradshaw had to make a quick exit because he had to fly back to Louisiana for a business deal early the next morning. So after Terry Bradshaw spoke, uh, Pacey Cohen thought, uh, well, I can leave now. I don't have to sit here. But in his own words, he said, I don't know why I didn't leave. He said, I wanted to leave. He said, I understand now why I didn't. But at the point, at the time, I didn't know why I didn't leave. Now understand, Pacey Cohen was Jewish. He had never heard the gospel. He'd never set foot inside a church in all his life. And there he is, perched up on the highest bleacher in that stadium. He got to hear his hero, Terry Bradshaw, talk. He was ready to go home and commit suicide. But for some reason, he stayed sitting right there. And the preacher preached a simple gospel message. Then the preacher gave an invitation. And out of that 3,000, 3,500 people there that night, again, Pacey was sitting in the top row. He began to watch people leave their seat, walk down and go down the middle of that stadium and surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. And he sat there and watched them for several verses. Then finally, the pastor was about to wrap the service up. And then all of a sudden, the pastor said, and I quote, this is out of his testimony. Preacher said, there's someone here tonight And it'll be your last night on earth if you don't come and give your life to Jesus Christ. You will not be alive tomorrow. You'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. He said at that moment, in his own words, in his testimony later on, he said at that moment, I promise you, that preacher was looking right square at me. There's thousands of people in this stadium. The preacher said, we're going to sing one more stanza and then we'll close. They began to sing the last stanza. And out of the thousands of people who were still sitting in that stadium... One guy got up from the top of the stadium and made his way down to the bottom and walked out onto that playing field and took one of the counselors by the hand and Pacey Cohen said, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Now, friend, I want you to listen to me. Here's a man who had a hard heart. He went to that crusade that night ready to kill himself. But now... He's going to spend the remainder of his life leading people to salvation in Jesus Christ and eternal life. Now listen to me. Only Jesus Christ can change somebody's heart like that. Only Jesus can do that. Pacey died back in 2002 of cancer. But he gave his life to Christ. And the next Sunday, he joined the church. And the Sunday after that, he was baptized in that church. And about six months after that, he became a full-time evangelist. Here's a guy that was ready to kill himself, to give up on his life. And because of Jesus Christ changing his heart, he now lived the rest of his life leading others to eternal life in Christ. Like I said, Pacey died back in 2002. Near the end, it got to the point that he couldn't even speak without oxygen on. He couldn't leave the oxygen mask off for just, you know, less than a minute. His wife said on the day he died, with his last breath and his last words, he led his nurse to Jesus Christ. Now, folks, God took a hard, rock-hard heart, and He took that heart and He changed it into soft, fertile ground where His Word would penetrate and take root, and then it began to produce fruit. And he led hundreds, even thousands of people to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to close with this. Our job, Christian, is to sow. God's job is to grow, to bring the increased. If we do our job, I promise you God's going to do his job. So my question in closing is, 
Are you scattering the seed? It's not up to us to figure out which ground's fertile. Our job is to sow the seed. God will take care of the rest of it. Heads, please. Brother Al is going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. The altars will be open. I'll be down front. If you're here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity. I'm telling you, Jesus is standing with open arms to embrace you if you will just surrender. I'm not asking you to come and join this church. I'm not asking you to give a testimony. I'm not asking you to do anything other than surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been living a lie for years. You profess to be a Christian, but you know your heart. And God is convicting you right now. The Holy Spirit is convicting your heart. Don't say no. Don't put it off. Because the day will come when that conviction will be no more. Right now, your heart's fertile if God's convicting you. God's Word will take root and produce fruit in your life if you'll let it. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian. You know that you're a born-again believer. That you leave this life, you're headed for glory. You're headed for heaven. But you're not sowing. You're not fishing. You need to ask God to forgive you. And then, you need to ask Him to give you a passion for lost people. You say, well, I, I guess I just don't love lost people enough since I don't witness. Friend, this is a hard fact, but it's true. That's not the case. You don't love Jesus enough if you don't witness. You say, preacher, you're making me feel worse. No, I'm not. That's not my intention. If you're a follower of Christ, you, you have the greatest news in the universe. Why would you not want to share it? Whatever decision you make this morning, they all pray that you make it. Father, thank you for the power. Thank you. God, for your love and grace. And I pray for those today who need to have that covenant with you. They need to establish that relationship with you by surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. I pray they do so. And then I pray for Christians who are here today who are, 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 have become hard-hearted. Father, I pray that, that we're all convicted. Those of us that claim that we're your children, we'd be convicted to begin sowing seed if we're not, to begin fishing for people if we're not. And we do so understanding that all we have to do is cast the hook and throw out the seed. That, Father, the rest is up to you. I pray today for those that need to make a decision that they would do so in Christ's name.